Hello and welcome to the Xbox Era podcast. It's episode 13. I'm joined by a special Ed, Chironaut, and we have a special guest, Thomas Sala, um, who is working on the Falconeer with Idea Xbox. And it's a super cool looking indie game. It's channeling some Crimson Skies, I feel, if I'm looking at the trailer. If you haven't seen it yet, it was revealed at XO 2019. Hello, guys. How are we all doing? Good. Fine. I'm good. Good Christmas. Thanks for coming on, Thomas. Uh, yeah, thank you. No problem. Everyone have a good Christmas and all of that jazz. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Anyone you know, or at least the kids, just mostly... the kids did. The kids did. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. got socks and pants, and that was pretty much the uh, the highlight of my yeah. Although I did get the, I did get this, and seeing as it's in front of me, so my my old man has a tendency to. Uh, invest in a hobby and then dedicate like six months of his life to it before he gets bored and moves on to the next one. So we've had archery, building trikes, uh, and, and all sorts of weird things. Now it's fashioning leather wallets. So we can see there he's fashioned me a, a, a bespoke leather wallet to hold a couple of cards and some loose change. That's pretty cool. That's actually <laughs> it's, pretty it's cool. just like, <laughs> what's, what's next? Am I going to come in? He's going to be fashioning a kayak yeah. out of a log. I don't know. <laughs> you know my but... Christmas was freaking weird. Uh, so my dad decided, I asked my dad if I could, uh, for Christmas, he could pay for half of a new desk for me because I've had this old Ikea, Ikea desk that was like, 10 years old at this point and it was gay it was like made out of particle board it was just falling <laughs> apart at the seams and i'm like i need a new ta- i need a new desk and the the good the best one i could find for what i need is like 200 bucks right so i'm like okay dad if you can pay for half of it i'll pay the other half and that could just be my christmas present and he's like sure i guess because he didn't really <laughs> figure out anything uh to get me and then come christmas day my parents unveil that they've uh they're like eight years too late and bought me a gaming chair it, like sits about a foot off the ground you know the, the rocker chairs yeah it looks uh, like you're in the in the seat of an expensive yeah with the speakers there. and everything and what? i was like this is cool but i'm like eight years too old for this uh, <laughs> and i don't know what to do with it <laughs> so mm-hmm. we returned it um and i'm my parents have agreed that once they get the money back from Amazon, I'm going to be getting an external GPU chassis Ooh. so I can sell my PC without the graphics card, pop the graphics card in that chassis and just use my MacBook for everything. So, wow. Or get rid of all of it anyway. and save up for a Series X. <laughs> well, no, because what's going to happen is... $999. I'm not going to... What's going to happen... What I want to happen is I want to be able to just move to college. Like, if I'm going back to college for two more semesters... Uh, I just want to take my laptop and like my graphics card with me so I can just have all my games and I Makes don't have sense. to worry about it, you know, because carrying the tower around is just, just extra wasted space in my car at the at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was wild. And I wasted like 150 bucks on my parents gifts. I got my mom a dock for uh, her phone and her Apple watch. And I got uh, my dad a Google Home mini. Because I didn't know what else. You're the youngling yeah. right now, right? Yeah. So you, you still get stuff at Christmas. It's, it's a unique... Yeah, I mean, I, my I, entire, it's been a while for me. No, no. Like, my it's entire family... My entire family still gives each other things for Christmas. Like, uh, like a couple of Christmases ago, my grandma, my aunt, gave my mom a Louis Vuitton handbag. handbag. Wow. Uh, 
my dad got this is the only christmas that my dad has never got my mom something because last christmas he upgraded her car with a new stereo system with apple carplay and that was insane uh we were supposed to get her a new macbook this year but that didn't happen because all of us are broke so i mean well my uh my darling wife has been whinging at me for probably two months like i really won't get one of those ring doorbells you know the video camera doorbells yeah and and it's her birthday on on december 14th and i was like you know so i got her birthday stuff and i was like nah i don't want the video doorbell honey it's a waste of money not not interested i don't care but she really wanted it anyway so fast forward christmas obviously the reason i was poo-pooing it as a as a subject was that i was going to buy her one which i Mm. did my wife who despite me being literally the easiest person to buy anything for because you know if i want something she bought me one as well. I was like, this isn't a Christmas <laughs> present for me. This is a Christmas present for you. So I'm sitting there Christmas Day. And the, the hilarious thing is she bought like the cheap older version. And I splashed out and got like the Ring 2, which is like a bit fancier. And I was just like, what is this? What What is this? This is a Christmas present for you. This isn't for me. But yeah, it just amused me greatly. She's I guess like, oh. you guys returned the old one. Or no, are you gonna yeah, be it's, my, away? it's my dad's birthday on the 29th. And I couldn't think what the <laughs> fuck to get him, so he's getting a ring doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least uh, at least your wife gave you something to give your dad. <laughs> yeah, thanks, honey. Don't worry about the Amazon return process. We'll just pass that shit along. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's all worked out rather well. Speaking of swearing, because I just realised I said the word shit. Um, we did get some feedback that we were swearing too much on the podcast, and we were going to try and make this a little bit more e for everyone. But as we discussed just before we started recording here, we've got a Brit, an Aussie, an American, and a, and a Dutch fella. You know, swearing second nature to us. So we'll try mm-hmm. next time, but we will try and dial it down if we can. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure how much. Like, no more promise, serious yes. attempt in the future, but for now, you can you can guarantee that something's yeah. going to slip through. Yeah, so we, 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 we'll work on it, folks. We'll work on it. Um, so, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's get straight into it. So, Thomas... Thank you for, for spending your Sunday morning uh, joining no us and, and chit-chatting about games and the like. Um, so we, we obviously, due diligence, we've looked into the Falconeer. It looks fantastic. Do you want to give us kind of like your uh, sales pitch for what the Falconeer is and why people should be super excited to, to get in there and play it? No Aside pressure. Great well, it's, uh, um, <laughs> at XO19, uh, someone came up and said, this is the game where... Uh, it's what if the Falcons or the Eagles flew into Mordor, Mordor with Gandalf on his back? I went, yeah, with lasers. So that's the that's the <laughs> tiny sales base. It's, it's basically uh, uh, air combat. It's like an open world, like the old freelancer games, and there's a story or multiple campaigns, but with giant eagles or falcons in this case. So that's that's uh, it's just combining my love of creating uh, worlds with gameplay that's about exploring and fighting in these uh, great environments. So that's uh, uh, go watch the so trailer. It's a good pitch. So oh, is, okay. it open, is it open world or is it more? Yeah, it's an open level? world. It's an open world, and there's uh, uh, there's going to be about well, don't pin me down on five or six campaigns inside that world that uh, have you ch- oh, wow. switch factions, mm. sort of like. Um, uh, Starcraft does. So you'll start off as civilians, and they'll be fighting. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, some uh, minor house, and then you'll get to join that minor house and see things from their perspective. So you'll be going wow. back and forth a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just finished up, wrapped up the, the, the battle map animations for the story missions where you get a nice uh, animation with talking heads on the map. Oh, we're going to fly there and then the escort's <laughs> going to come in and we expect to have any opposition. Uh, stuff like that. Kind of, so, like, uh, kind of like Star Fox? Uh, I have I, I I am not a Super Nintendo person until up until okay. the Switch. So I played the Star Fox I think on 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 the original SNES. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. It's like thirty years ago, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like a, a battle map briefing, it's such a it's yeah, something yeah. you gotta have. Yeah. It reminded no, me not... when I watched the footage. It reminded me a little bit of like um, from an art style perspective, sort of like and gameplay, kind of like Crimson Skies meets. Um, I don't know. I, I think we've we've had discussions like Wind Waker or yeah. Sea of Thieves. It's kind of got this um, sort of stylized uh, visual element, but it's it's op- it's open world, right? So it, this isn't yeah, yeah. like a you know a singular singular linear path from A to B. You've got a you've got a lot of exploring no, you can, uh, that you can go yeah, and do. Yeah, yeah. You start off at one location based on the campaign you're in and the faction you've selected. Uh, as a home base and then you, you're off you can go somewhere else do missions there go back there's no trading so it's very combat and exploration focused i never care much for the trading in games like elite or something uh, so that's not gonna be in there <laughs> no so uh, there's there's lots of exploration uh, but of course you know if you're an imperial you won't be able to get to the mancer side of things because they'll be your enemies so that changes the map around so the next time you play as the mancer you won't be able to Go to the imperial side without you know a shitload of combat. So it, it's a true open world, and there'll be stuff to find, yeah, and yeah. side quests, side missions, uh, and some generated content, content stuff like that. Well, That's yeah, all mostly cool. already done, actually. So uh, I'm now mostly focused on the the story side, so that there's good single player storytelling getting done. So yeah, is, yeah, because is it a purely oh, single player experience? Or it, it is a purely single player experience. I'm a visual artist by trade. Or by experience, so and I'm a pretty decent coder, but to do a multiplayer game is it's <laughs> next level type. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Development requires support, server stuff. I'm not I good at the sequel. <laughs> well, if I can get someone else to make it, I'll, I'll do. I'll do it. <laughs> if everybody buys it and wishlist it, uh, well, I might be able to hire some people. You know, here let's make a nice arena-based version of this. Yeah. I've had lots of people ask once they've played it because it plays really smoothly uh, if, the, if it'll be multiplayer. But for now, it's it's a single-player, story-driven experience. That's that's what I set out to yeah, do, yeah. Uh, and that's what it's going to be. So, oh, good. That's cool. And on uh, that note, is it is it just you? Like, Obviously, I appreciate you might have folks that to do the audio, but is the majority of the, the grunt it's all, work here? Yeah, it's 100... Yeah, yeah, I don't have anybody else. Uh, uh, like, I've had a storied history through game development, uh, and... I've always been a guy that does a lot himself. And at some point, I had kids and stuff. I wanted to work at home. <laughs> and not have the stress of a studio life or being responsible for large budgets. Just the, the sheer amount of anxiety that can cause. I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm. So, uh, and, and I, I, I'm doing it all by myself and, and loving it. So I'm doing the programming, the modeling, the animation. Uh, I love making shaders. Most people know that you mentioned the visual style. I've been working on a style where I don't use any textures at all. So uh, mm-hmm. the only texture in the game is the font. But everything's geometry, shaders, like sine waves and math and stuff. It's, it's freaky. Uh, I enjoy doing that. And, and that's where the Falconer came from. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not the super fastest process. So things take time to make. But 
uh, in the end, it's working. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot by myself. Yeah, that's and, cool. and you provided us a, a good segue, I think. So um, not a lot of people may know this, and, and if, you, if you know of Thomas, you may know this, but you, you mentioned you had a, a, a storied um, route and path into, into the games industry, but I, I do know that you are, I believe, responsible for a very popular Skyrim mod, which I think was Moon Path Elsewhere. Would yeah, that be yeah. accurate? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, that, and that's, I don't know, 2013, so that's six years ago. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, back then we were doing, so uh, the studio uh, I was in and founded in 2001, we did a lot of work for hire. So, and if you're not in Silicon Valley or anywhere where there's giant publishers like Canada and stuff, you get to do a lot of weird stuff. So we were making a, an RPG, an action RPG for kids for a local theme park. Uh, and I, I one day I went, what, how? And I was playing Skyrim. I absolutely loved it. You know, uh, yeah. uh, I was going, how did they make it? So I opened up the creation kit, uh, which is something that's been, had been staring at me since, I guess, Morrowind or even, yeah. you know, wow, that's interesting, but daunting, you know? <laughs> I opened it up and, and, and being an artist, it was, okay, okay, what, what are we going to make? And every, the first thing you make as a modder is a, a player home. It's literally yeah. the first thing everybody makes. And I went, okay, so I was moving around rocks. and oh, This is fairly boring. Let's see if we can import some uh, tropical plants. And I had some from some, I don't know, from something else, from some project. And I imported some custom uh, plants and you have to use NIF tools and all these weird, uh, you know, go about ways to import any 3D asset. And I had a jungle home. So I had a nice little jungle home and being a little bit of a, a, a lore nerd, I put some Khajiit in there and I put that online and uh, I don't know, I, I don't know what it, I called it. And it was literally for many people, the first time they saw anything in Skyrim that wasn't, you know, bleak, white, yeah, snowy yeah. landscapes. <laughs> and it was for a lot of mothers that went, oh, somebody's already doing this. And then the story got out somewhere that I'd been working on this for a year or something already, uh, which is not true. I just started it when <laughs> everybody got the, I just had that stuff lying around and it, I'm I'm fair, I'm like the Bob Ross of game design. I'll throw shit together, <laughs> and, and it'll work. Added a tree there. <laughs> yeah, everyone needs a friend. <laughs> yeah, every, I put a little tree there, and then I, I like an ominous statue and a, like a forest with dinosaurs. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, and what happens when you do money on Steam back then? It was a great experience. Lots of people joined in the discussion, and they hated it or loved it, and they had requests. So you get this dialogue with players, which for me was like, whoa, that's super motivating, super enjoyable. And it pushed me on to do like a giant storyline or not a giant, but there's a couple of hours of gameplay in it uh, where you go to the desert, you go to a tropical island. There's I uh, imported characters. There's like a, a dinosaur in there. Cause I, that's what I had lying about, a dinosaur I made at some point. There's, I, I, I slowed at some point. I did, uh, uh, if you're into Skyrim lore, there's slows. It's like giant slug creatures. So I put all that stuff in and it just exploded. I think it got downloaded a couple of million times. Wow. So did, yeah, for me, it went like, damn. <laughs> People really <laughs> want this. Uh, and it's, uh, uh. for every time I saw that, I'd be, whoa. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, the, the, so I was really enjoying that. And then uh, I met someone from Bethesda at GDC. I said, oh, you're the Moonpath to Elsewhere guy. 
do you know we're going to have paid modding soon? And I went, yeah, whoa, well, I can make, you know, this is way better than working for someone else and getting stressed and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Six years ago. Um, and then, of course, the entire paid modding thing exploded with, yeah, and the pitchforks came out and people were saying, mods don't belong to the modders, they belong to the community. They're, if it's not free, it's not... And people went crazy and modders got uh, doxxed and uh, the, the threats and stuff. Uh, That's I crazy. Know, wow. And, yeah, yeah, well, if wow. you look at stories from back then, it was, it was like a precursor to, you know, there was like Gamergate and stuff. So that was, for me, what went... Uh, that was the dark side of that experience. Yeah. But it also ruined paid modding because they retracted that at Bethesda and they listened to the community and whatever the pros and cons might have been uh, for or against it because, yeah, and I agree, if you take something away, that's always been it. So I, I sort of got the discussion, but it took away a lot of opportunity for a lot of guys that were going, hey, you know, and there were a lot of game developers on there that were working for big studios that were making mods. A lot of people don't realize. So it was a creative outlet. And that just went away. People went, I'll never be able to make a living out of this. Yeah. Or, mm. yeah. Uh, and, and, and then it's sort of, there's st people still doing great stuff, much better than I did. But so that, and then I ended up, uh, thought, well, if you can make things, something people want and this you know, discussion is great, I started up with my first indie game from that. Mm. Yeah. So. You, you've made a you've made quite a few titles. I mean, could you could you, uh, well, could you give us uh, a give us a rundown well, of everything no, that you no, kind of made? So, so by my so uh, I think so. Uh, after that, I started Oberon Squad, which I haven't finished. Which is just you know the first thing you do has to be shit. Well, it was great. <laughs> it was, I I got into a burnout. It was dark as fuck. And if I look at it now, it's going wow, that's so dark. People look it up on the internet. Oberon Squad, it's pretty dark. Uh, <laughs> It's like an RTS, but you have to, you know, chain the souls of the creatures you defeat to add them to your own army. Uh, uh, and it looks really, and uh, that's where the art style came from. It's like really, really minimal uh, stuff. But in my professional life, uh, I worked on, uh, I did some of the tech art for a game called Wrecked, which is, I think, now in the top 10 on the Switch. It's one of those 10 free games. Uh, the Publisher yeah. gave away. Oh, uh, Cubit. Oh. Yeah, Cubit. Uh, so, Wrecked is uh, like a, a skateboard. A Tony Hawk meets stunt driving. So, you're just flipping yeah, around yeah. your car. Uh, I did the technical art for that. So, all the color changes and the, uh, the lighting and all that stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was an, an, uh, it's, and it's a really uh, addictive little game. So, well worth you know, a couple of bucks to pick up. Um, uh, we did uh, like a track lab. Which is which is the biggest title I've worked on, which was a PlayStation VR uh, Sony first party title. So mm. uh, got, yeah, there's just a couple of Sony picked up a number of VR PSVR exclusives over yeah. the years. So that's one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've got a PSVR, it's a really cool music creation tool. Nobody really got it. Super innovative, uh, super weird. Got really quite. It got mixed, but. The, the people that liked it really liked it, and people that didn't get it really didn't get it. <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah. it, it it's, like a, it's got like a six, six and a half, but then the tops one are like 80% from a lot of sites. Uh, but it's weird, and it's, 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 it's something I'm quite proud of, did all the creative design for that, uh, um, and worked That's with cool. a great team, uh, uh, and, that, and worked with Sony. So that was a great experience. Uh, lots of other mobile games and stuff which yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask, though. I do want to worry about it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ask. So that, I think that's the rundown of what most people might have seen. Uh, no. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to ask because like with your history in games, modding, uh, all the various titles you've worked on over the years, what like uh, what games, either yours or out in the ether out there, uh, was like your main source of inspiration for Falconeer? Like any any specific uh, influences or? Well, it was so. I, I, so I had done this Oberon Scored, and then I got out of my burnout, I got kids, got a lot more positive, and I wanted to pick up my indie games again, and I looked at it, it, it had lots of personal grief in there, it was pretty dark, So I wanted, and, 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 and I had a feeling that would never catch on, because people like dark games, like Dark Souls, but it, 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 it's, if you're doing something by yourself, it can be too niche, and I, thought, I need to do something that's universal, so if you want to start an indie game, and you want to make a living out of it, you need to think, you know, what are you going to make? Who are you going to sell it to? Yeah. And what? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I needed something that was, you know, something enjoyable to me. You know, it's something you want to make. If you don't have a game, I think that's a great thing about the Falconeer. Every t- I play nearly every evening to test or you know just spot all the bugs I've created the the, the the day before, and I play it for a couple of hours, and it's still enjoyable. I think that's 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 if you don't have that in your game that you can pick it up, enjoy what you're making. It's very hard to keep motivated year after year. Yeah, after you year. won't you won't keep the passion burning for yeah, it because yeah, you kind of want to see yeah. your baby fly, yeah, and that's, fly the nest, so to speak. Yeah, so there was the problem with Oberon scored, and I lost that. I didn't get you know it was difficult. It was a strategy game. I love. I'm a big RTS player, uh, but I, I couldn't nail it. it. Was too much for one person, and I went back. Well, what what were the games I really enjoyed when I was you know still young, just playing games for games and not you know being a jaded professional. <laughs> and the games I played were like Crimson Skies, and even further down when I was more like on an Amiga playing, uh, or an MSX and where I'm from, playing like uh, Elite, uh, or the original Elite, you know, yeah. with the vector mm-hmm. graphics. Yeah. Uh, Freelancer, all the Wing Commander games, of course, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I remember breaking Strike Commander, I don't know if anybody re- re- remember that. I remember it. <laughs> and you're playing an F-16, and you're flying through all these canyons. And Comanche, I don't know if people, you know, the first voxel yes. art game. Yeah. And the only thing I did was just swoop through canyons, occasionally shoot something. And, and, and that's together with the exploration and, you know, the RPG-ishness of Skyrim, or even an Elite, which is in itself is an excellent RPG if you look at it. Uh, so, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do something with flying and... Uh, or I had a little. I looked online. Oh, there's quite a few flying games. Uh, and then I, I used a dragon from Oberon Scored and I flew with the dragon in a demo. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. My art style holds mm. up. It's it's quite yeah. nice. And then I went, but dragons are so cheesy. There's dragons everywhere. Very cliche. Very, very cliche. cliche. You know, uh, you, say, I just you went, say dragons. You say dragons are cheesy, but there's a lot of people that want Panzer Dragoon back. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I, I've got, but they'll like my my Falcon-based game. But uh, I I I made so I, I just modeled because that's what I do. A, a Falcon with the rider, enjoyed making it, animated a little bit, um, and then I threw that on Twitter and said, hey, "Look, I'd make this. It's gonna because that's you need some reinforcement from the world apparently." And people liked it. And like, yeah, okay, we'll make it. We'll make it a game with a fa- guy on a giant falcon flying around. That's cool. I haven't seen that. 
And then I did a little research and there wasn't anything. There were the flying games that were coming out were very just enjoy the flying. And I, mm, I yeah. enjoyed shooting. So I went, well, I'll have I'll have, you know, I'll have that. Uh, and <laughs> it just evolved from there. It just it and it, it it sort of blew up into something and now it's got a full how do you call it? Uh, it's got a world. I'm 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 world building it, writing all the lore, uh, making it coherent. Oh, wow. Uh, having a lot of fun with, you know, I have very explicit ideas of on what I'd like the message for the game to be, what what's the storytelling, uh, and it's so it's 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 just expanded, and the more time, the more it grew me as a, you know, as a as a game maker to say, well, what are games really about? What I want, you know, I've got a sheet mm. somewhere. People, oh, why is it an ocean world? And some say because it's easy to make an ocean. They think, well, it's because you know. <laughs> Make one ocean you've done <laughs> certainly part of it but the other part of this is that i've been thinking about you know the contrast that you have this bird going up which is you know sort of everybody dreams about flying and yeah. birds up in the sky mm. and it's a really positive aspirational image and as again but that needs a really dark opposite you need to be escaping from somewhere you know you, you need to mm. so that's that's where this ocean which has all these dark secrets and temples that pop out and you know Plus the bird coming away. So I've been thinking about uh, quite in-depth topics of having these contrasts in games and seeing what works. And it's been resonating just from doing that kind of exploration, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, it looks I, good. I have to admit, I you know, flying games for me, you know, there are some that I absolutely love. Like I, Elite was was probably, if I think back, was probably the first game I ever played on the BBC Micro, believe it or not. Oh, and yeah. that was the first and that was my dad like here kids i've got this bbc micro and you know playing elite in vector graphics and i got the the fun of back in i don't know when when did elite dangerous launch 2015 2016 yeah, uh, i got i got to say hey dad guess what's coming back out you know he's 60 plus now and then he he saw it, it was like we went out oculus rift hot ass all of that <laughs> and you know and and then it was like a competing thing and we used to jump on and it was it was nice to be able to do that you know it was kind of like com coming back full circle you know because i i love video games ever since my dad sort of bbc micro amiga i skipped the whole snares mega drive master system yeah me too yeah know? yeah um so i came in from that angle and being able to go back and enjoy flying and that was the biggest thing for me especially when VR sort of came into being was that, you yeah. know, pulling off that cool stuff when you're in a dogfight. And I used to have the Spotify playlist where you had that, um, that classic Star Wars track where, you know, where the Millennium Falcon's flying through yeah. the asteroid oh, yeah, field. Yeah, 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 yeah. So mm -hmm. when you, when you, when you're doing those flying things, one, one thing I love is when games get it right. Um, and it's, it's quite heartening to hear that, you know, the, the flying was sort of like that initial first focus because everyone loves to, kind of have that swoop and soar yeah I, I, it's like uh, i'm calling it like it's like a an archetypal primary game experience you know? yeah you can mm. talk about our medium that's it's where it came from you know flight sims but yeah. uh it's it's, yeah. it's so core to any gamer or non-gamer to pick up and go oh i can fly uh and i i, mm. I love that flying games are now making a combat effort you know it's still not huge you know that they're, they're in indies with birds flying about but yeah that people are discovering there's more to them walking around shooting or you know uh, hitting <laughs> yeah. stuff that giant swords. sometimes <laughs> like sometimes it just takes that one game to bring it back though yeah yeah i think I sometimes think it just takes that one game i think, I think it's that, that, space game 
Yeah, I think it might have a lot to do with the medium, too, because you got people like my dad who won't even play driving games unless he has a steering wheel in front of him. You know, it's the yeah. tactile feedback, the more simulation aspect of it, even if the game itself is arcadey, you know, like Elite Dangerous outside of VR is boring. It's really boring. But in VR, it's just it's insane how how yeah. different the experience is, you know, and yeah. I feel like a lot of it just has to do with that into intuitiveness. I think it's, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it's very much like if you can't pick it up and play it immediately yeah. and like feel it be good, you know, then it's just never going to click. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I play elite, I play elite dangerous VR with a, an Xbox controller. And it's like every single time I'm playing the game, I'm like, I need a flight stick. I need a flight stick yeah, to yeah, make yeah. this feel better. Yeah, it's, mm. I can't imagine playing on a pad that game. Like, yeah. I, I even have like a a numpad, you know, like a, a oh yeah, yeah. The, they ended the keyboard, but it's like a USB thing, and I yeah. ended up putting loads of little stickers on it um, that had like, you know, so even if I've got VR on, I kind of know that the top right is landing gear and the top oh, yeah, left yeah. is, and and, yeah. and it, it is cool to be able to just completely remove yourself and be like, yep, I'm in the cockpit. And they added cool features like when you're in when you do a really cool bank, you kind of get that blacked out. You know, because yeah. you're pulling some ridiculous G's. So, fly, flying oh, is yes. cool. And I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, the Falconeer is is bringing back the joy of just being able to soar. And I, you know, personally, much like you said at the beginning there, that whole kind of like, what if the Eagles were coming, Lord of the Rings, and, and what <laughs> yeah. if you could ride one of them and <laughs> be a badass? Like, I mean, and when you you've mentioned there's obviously shooting and combat here. So, are we talking like, is this like bows and arrows, or is it like the, the oh, Falcon's yeah. actually mounted with kind of weapons or what's the falcon with a gatling gun <laughs> like mini guns on the wings <laughs> <laughs> well it's not guns on the wings there's a mountain gun so uh i played a lot of elite Asia, so there's fixed and gimbaled weapons um uh, i did i i have like talon type fighting on my wish list but it's incredibly hard physics wise and animation wise mm -hmm. and it might ruin the other so i i like the World War One style dogfighting, where it thinks it's yeah. just manageable and it's not, you know, shooting MRAMs at 20 kilometers. It's just getting in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the fire, and the thing explodes. And if you watch some of the videos online, it, it, you see it really see me working towards that, you know, zoom and boom type, boom, mm. type yeah. stuff. So it's machine guns. So it's, it's basically World War One style air combat with with stuff like birds that, pull, you know, barrel roll with their wings and the weird stuff. Cause yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to have sounds, add something. It it does. It sounds like a nice blend of Crimson Skies and a bit of Star Fox in there. It's like everything you're describing. It reminded me a lot of playing Star Fox and Star Fox 64, which I love. Yeah, and the, and the, they're the, really, and really the, cool games. The, the acrobatics I'm doing, although fairly simple, you now have just a few, uh, uh, you know, like a barrel roll. But if you use with your left stick on a, on like an Xbox controller, you can sort of flip the bird in the air. It's like a a tiny tiny bit of rocket league in there so you're flying forward <laughs> yes and you're you're flipping it around uh, so it has these you know modern touches to it uh but yeah, you were yeah. you were mentioning the weapon so in the world of this game uh, i read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy so I'd, I'd i'd like to put did you know there's a lot of steampunk out there and i enjoy that because they're definitely you know airships and but in this world technology is mixed so there's not people researching stuff they just sort of, you know, there's a couple of factions that just have a lot of technology and they hand it out to people mm. for permit and it's the way they, uh, 
sort of control the political landscape. So they'll give you a machine gun, and if you don't do what they say, they'll might give you know a, a gas cannon to the your neighbor. So it's it, technology is mixed. So you have these you know Victorian era or not like uh, you know the the tall ship era cutters and and sailing ships. Well, they have cannons and they'll be more advanced weaponry. You know, people are saying lasers. I'm fine with that. It's just. <laughs> Calling it lightning costs. <laughs> yeah. So, but there, there's there's an entire lore system there, and there's different types of weapons, and it's it's because of that setting, and it's all about you know everybody's always on the lookout for hidden relics that one might uncover some new tech or some new weapons. Uh, it it makes it really easy to be free with the type of weapons you need for the gameplay, uh, and have some fun with that. So there's like an a, an actual arm cannon you can mount that shoots off cannonballs for anti-capital ship combat, uh, stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. It, 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 there, there's going to be cool. some fun, uh, fun stuff in there. So as soon great. as you yeah. mentioned capital ships, I'm like, ooh, because, you know, I've, I've had memories of, I think I think it must have been Elite Dangerous again, because capital ships were kind of like in the original Elite, and then when they first appeared in the in the new game, you heard this kind of like, the AI on the ship was like, warning, capital ship signature detected. Yeah, yeah. You'd freak out. And then you'd hear this like thing ripping a hole through subspace before it was like, and it would appear. And it was like, oh, God, I need to get out of here. So like, the <laughs> idea that there are, you know, you've got your other other Falcon, like the smaller enemies, but then you yeah. get to fight off these really big kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, bigger yeah, yeah. ships. I, uh, well, if you, there's a couple of videos online where you see the combat against... Uh, large airships and i'm working on surface ships like like steamers and yeah you know, mm. proto dreadnoughts with pedal wheels and stuff uh um there's i, I love capital ships and i love uh, you know if, if i think the capital ship battles if, if i can reach like a fraction of that i'll be a happy man it's like tie fighter if anybody remembers that yes in tie fighter yeah, a little bit you know this an interdictor would, you know, uh, hyperspace in and then a corvette and an escort and you need to take and disable the guns. And you wouldn't be able to take out a Star Destroyer win your TIE fight or, a, you know, a rebel Mon Calamari cruiser. No, you don't need to work and wings of Y-wings need to fly in, bomb it and stuff like that. So I, 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 I thought that was, and uh, the system I came up with is, is very modular. So because everything's made of wood and sort of flimsy, you get to shoot off stuff. That's one oh, of the things I, I, oh, cool. I did. So, so oh. a turret will dri literally drop off and might drop some ammo or, or any other sort of loot. But everything's destructible. It's a bit heavy on the CPU, but uh, uh, it's definitely going to be in there that you're flying along, you're shooting stuff, and you just see the bits falling off of the, the, the capital ships. That's cool. And if you watch some of the videos online, you see the, like, the, 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 the rudders and the, some of the, the oh. seals. And they're just fall off. It's the same if you're doing a surface ship. You see the masks falling uh, over and the sails going up in flames. It, it's mm. it's not perfect, but it's got to have that sense where if yeah, you do yeah. this type of action, things need to be have a, a satisfying destruction to them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Take yeah. out all the sails, they stop. So there's no <laughs> iron can, and you have to physically hit all the propellers or the engine parts to make an airship stop and stuff like that. So and, a couple of things I wanted to ask. Sorry, sorry, Kyrie. Earlier we were talking about control methods. Are you looking at putting keyboard and mouse in, or just worrying about Xbox controller for now? I uh, well, I've got these. I've got yeah. this. And I've got this. So I'm focusing on controller now, and uh, being by myself, it's really 
those are the more difficult. So it's not making yeah, another yeah. feature isn't difficult. It's you know you do that for fun. I'll do that you know to four four o'clock in the morning. But adding proper control. So the controller support is I, I'm tuning it to it. So let's be honest. When yeah. it comes to Xbox, it's going to be an Xbox uh, exclusive. Uh, it's going to have great. So, you know that's what I'm making it for. I love it. They're great. They're fantastic. They're having two sticks. Um, then doing mouse and joy, it, it's it's it, it has I have a version with mouse and uh, um, keyboard controls and it'll work. Uh, but honestly, uh, I, I'm still figuring it out because uh, a lot of the times where you get this, you're moving your mouse and <clears> then <throat> bird follows the mouse and then the camera follows the bird style mm. of combat. Uh, really um, removes something and then the option is to go really FPS style and you yeah. get this. Yeah. You know, what I call you know FPS in space style air combat. Uh, I know um, War Thunder does it like that, and it it works, but it doesn't have that flying sensation for me. It's it's, it's just mm. you know yeah, it's, it's a very yeah, arcade driven experience. The whole flying thing. I mean, that's how people don't fly with a mouse and keyboard and you point where you want to go. It's it's on a stick. It's yeah, mm. you physically have to go, yeah, uh, and if if you take that away, uh, uh, it's something that's on my to do list to do well. So yeah. uh, and then yeah, my, yeah. I'll make it a keyboard controls that that works really well. The keyboard controls with the mouse as the as the loop controller works works yeah. fine. Uh, but then um, uh, I also like to have a good mouse control where you can just play it with one hand. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, it, the other it's, question, it's, the other question I had, and it and it leads, it'll probably help okay. lead to Cairo what he wants to ask. You mentioned before that all the destruction and stuff you're doing will be very CPU heavy. Now, we've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while. And since we started trying to get you on, the Series X has been unveiled. <laughs> so we obviously know that the CPU in that thing will be pretty good. And we've got an idea that Microsoft will have some sort of solution where Xbox One games might get a nice little boost. So I we obviously don't know if you knew about the Series X or how long you've known about the Series I, I, X. I, I, I but... know as much as you have. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, so I'm, I'm not on any Xbox Series X uh, NDA. I don't have any. <laughs> so it's all conjecture <laughs> and that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, Do you take that it, into account now, knowing that's coming? Well, I'm already taking account the Xbox One X, which is a, a whopping big improvement over over regular s or a one yeah uh, yeah to do that kind of stuff and then you're heading into 4k 60 territory and then they're saying uh, what you know the series x uh, it's going to be uh, you know with, with the 8k 120 uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's sure sure that's just a switch <laughs> so uh, if your game's smooth enough if it does 4k 60 it'll do 8k 120 if nice. your TV can handle yeah, that yeah. Uh, well, I just I just thought because the CPUs obviously in the in the Xbox One and even the One X because technically it's kind of the same CPU, so yes. they're pretty old CPUs. That's why I just thought now that we know the Series X exists, we have an idea based on the backwards compatibility that yeah. it may have the ability to push the game further. I, 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 yeah, I its think own. it's st stuff like physics, but um, uh, uh, it's gonna. It, the on console, if you compare console to PC, I, I think the Xbox One X will be a lot closer to PC experiences. Nice. Uh, um, uh, so that that's 
if you look at it, what they're adding, the some of the things you have to do on console or mobile, or whatever is a console is a lot more like a mobile, like a really good mobile phone nowadays. You know, mm. Nobody wants to hear that, but it, yeah, of course it's that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. but uh, the, the development, you know, if you go into Unreal or Unity, we'll say uh, certain shaders are mobile slash console. At face PC, it's it's mm. an entire different category just to by the sheer bandwidth of stuff you can do. Mm. Uh, mm. I think if they if they were able to change that, that the bandwidth on the One X will do, uh, it'll add a lot of stuff like. For instance, I have to, you know, turn off certain physics calculations a lot uh, when they're not happening, or hide it off-screen, mm. or uh, you know, make some. T- there's stuff you do for consoles. Oh, the, the debris! Once it hit a wall, it explodes or destroys. But on PC, I'll have it bounce and uh, do, you know, because that's you have that. It's not even the calculations. It's just mostly the sending back and forth on memory and stuff, doing a lot of stuff mm. at the same time. You'll read, you'll hit this plateau on console, and you'll never be able to top it so when things get extra heavy that's where you'll cut out lots of bits uh and that's where most if you're porting something it's 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 not in general stuff will it's amazing the power that comes off console except when you you know when you have those 30 or 40 enemies <laughs> and all that gunfire and stuff then <laughs> then you're, you reach that plateau and then then stuff needs to go uh and that's but huge i i think huge strides have been made with you know dynamic resolution that scales down smoothly mm. when you hit those areas to you know give some of that gpu power for instance to the physics processing or the ai and stuff like that uh, i think that's great i think people it, it's going to be a, a, a shitload more powerful but it's going to be a while mm. before games get you know not to burst anybody's bubble but uh, you'll because there's no so much one access and uh, one still out there. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a while before someone like me will make a game just for the one X is not a smart business decision. Yeah, of course not. Uh, and then you the Series X, yeah, yeah, Series X. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. for the Series <laughs> X, and then you also have to make it really also for the st- Switch for a couple of years till that goes out of favor, mm. and you'll have still have. And then the bones of the game are multi-platform, so. Yeah then what you can do with all that extra performance, you can't have more enemies because that then will you know, make a different gameplay situation on your Nintendo Switch port. Uh, so you'll see some excellent things from the exclusive studios, which is nice because they've got a bunch now, you know, Microsoft yeah. Studios. Mm. So <laughs> I think those will, mo- you know, they'll do the really special stuff because they can port it to PC and they have PC, Xbox, Game Pass, and then uh, stuff that's truly multi-platform, it'll be, in a way, you know, they'll not uh, have the business comfort to be able to, you know, focus. And so they'll add stuff for the one X, you know, high resolution, extra frame rate, but, you know, not the, the extra PC-like complexity. So I think it's it's a mixed bag. You know, if you're, you know, the rest of the pack is running behind the, the Xbox One X, games will still need to run on those as well. Yeah, it, it mm, makes yeah. sense. We've always had it. We've, I mean, we saw it at the beginning of, of this gen, you know, for a couple of years, all the big developers, every game was pretty much cross-generational, and really yeah. the only differences from a design point of view were more pixels on the screen. Yeah, because, more pixels. You know, it's it's a you can't unless you're the first party and you're the you're the platform holder, you can't be the loss leader and and make things just exclusive. Yeah. It, there's but, a but tipping the, point, but until yeah. you get there, um, you need to have a couple of million consoles in the wild to sell your game to. Uh, because it is a business at the end of the day. And, and, and it's business, but still, like, uh, 
stuff like RTX will be, you know, that's that's going to be the default to mm. add. You know, really complex lighting calculations. Um, for me, that's not personally because uh, it. Um, as someone who really focuses on the mood of the game, I don't necessarily need RTX. It makes everything really nice, but uh, you know, you already have some sort of reflections. So yeah. it's it's, mm. it's really the finesse where you're gonna see it. Yeah. Uh, if you look at an RTX non-RTX game, it's 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 really nice, but it's not you know it's not like like a different game. It's not no, quite. No, I mean, I've got down to the artistry. Yeah, I've got control on on PC and and I got a 2070 Super in here and uh, I was I was I was like, wow, when I saw RTX, but you know it didn't make any real fundamental difference to the gameplay apart from the fact that it, it just looks cool. Yeah, you know? and, and but and and the feeling of the environment still the same. It just looks fucking yeah. realistic. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think that RTX and you'll see some different stuff with that with for physics and. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, it'll be great for, I, I don't know, you, know I, I, you have all that power and then you're not going to do VR, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I, I don't know. The other, and the other thing is, which the next generation will have, you know, the, is there'll be some sort of cloud thing coming along that'll do cloud processing mm. and stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I did that crack down with the, you know, the server side buildings collect, did it ever release? Yeah. Yeah, it, yep. it, it did. It was uh, everyone's <laughs> game of the year, 2019, people. Uh, John, John, John. Are you kidding yourself still, or are you just yeah, going to... Dude, okay. no, I'm, I'm, I'm more joking. I'm more jovial about this. Are you, um... Is it depressed joking, or is it, uh, is it serious joking? <laughs> are, you, are you aiming for 60 with Falconeer? Uh, with 60 FPS? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. I do do a game like that. I, I awesome. firstly, I get I get hives. What do you got when when it goes to thirty? <laughs> I, I, I go. <laughs> you, uh, should, you should uh, figure I, out a way I, to I, tell I, Bungie that because so, you know, people come up to me and say, "No, the human eye can't even see sixty. I go, "Fuck you." That's that's that. I can completely. <laughs> no uh, well, and then I am a, a, a purist in that sense as well. That. You can well. It's quite technical. You can you can fix your frame rate on the on the gameplay side so that it runs separately from the graphics, and your game will run great at every frame rate, uh, unless it gets until to. Or you can just uh, render your gameplay at the frame rate it is, and you'll get the smoothest, most perfect experience. But you'll have to work your ass off to keep it at sixty because if it drops, you'll it'll go sluggish. Yeah, I'm mm. focusing on the second one because I want it to be as smooth as I can make it. So I'm obsessed yeah, yeah. with... I did, on PC, I might even have a warning. Your computer is not running, you know, at 60. Do something. Because I don't use textures and I, I, there's a very stylized look to the game, it's not going to require a 2080. You know, I've run it on computers that are six years old. It runs decently as long as it runs 60, you know? And I'll, I'll degrade some of the visuals happily to keep it at sixty. So yeah, for me, yeah. that's 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 a that's a huge deal because it's so 30, as it's, it's, as someone as you can see in the background, I've got a, a ten eighty plasma. I'm still I'm still rocking a plasma television. <laughs> so so at the moment, what I love about the One X is that a lot of games now are starting to do ten eighty sixty modes, mm, performance mode is effectively. That, yeah, performance mode. Yeah, is is that something as well? Like I'm asking selfishly uh, now. Is that something well, no, that's no, planned? Yeah, well, no, I can't get into exact development on the Xbox yet, but 
uh, I'd like it to run 60 on all the one uh, Xbox variants. Lovely. Okay. Mm. I mean, and, is... and that, that I mean, it'll be enhanced in different ways on the one X. So that will yeah. be, uh, and then I don't want it to, if it runs on 1080, 60 on the one X, I'll be very disappointed. It doesn't. So I'm quite confident. Like I said, oh, great. Good. Uh, um, uh, on the... that note though, so you, we're talking about performance and and, uh, and and the various methods to get to that magical point. And you, you mentioned dynamic resolution. So if you're forward thinking now, you know, next year Series X comes out, um, folks that have got the Falconeer um, and they're playing through, are you utilizing that dynamic res so that, you know, there is that upper buffer that lets it hit 4K or whatever the case may be and suddenly... They download the game. It's backwards compatible on Series X, and it will just it will just hit that upper buffer, so you don't have to go back um, in patch. Or I, I, well, is that a tricky I'm, one to answer? Well, I'm using something like Unity, so they'll be on the final version that gets released for when the game's out. Hopefully, it's it'll support the One X, and it'll it'll do that. It'll upscale it to uh, the highest resolution, or it'll be an update. You know, I gotta support this. Sure. Uh, to, and 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 I'd be crazy not you know seeing the release window somewhere in 2020. Uh, it's certainly not going to be the end of 2020. Hopefully, hopefully uh, I'm just one guy. <laughs> uh, uh, but once the one X series one X rolls around, it's going to support it. And if that means you know I have to do an update so it does 8K or whatever, <laughs> the thing is capable of, I just have to go. Yes. Lovely people <laughs> at ID at Xbox gave me a dev kit uh, at some point uh, or. <laughs> But that's 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 uh, well that's actually not how it works. But uh, uh, yeah, so I'd be crazy. You'd, you'd be crazy not to support the next generation. And uh, if I can add something extra to that, cool. Uh, and the, the, nice. the cool thing about the Falcon is not having any textures. It's very crisp. Mm. Uh, uh, if if you see it at because it's such a stylized. Well, if you look the trailer, I put the trailer on on 4K. It's on 4K 60 FPS, by the way. The, the trailer yeah. itself. Yep. Uh, we'll link it and in the YouTube. It just gets looking better. The bigger the screen, it it get just gets better because there's, I I find a lot of modern games. You start a battlefield. It's everything's so noisy. Yeah. Uh, there's grime and blood spatters and dirt and uh, uh, chromatic aberration. I love chromatic aberration, but <laughs> there's everything together. Everything you get so the shadow maps and shit get blotchy and there's decals everywhere. Things are really noisy. If you grab a screenshot of Battlefield, it's usually it's um, not readable, you know, because it's it works in motion but standing still. Just yeah, yeah. It's, so the, the Falcon is the opposite of that. It's it's super clean and crisp, and uh, uh, so for me, having a higher resolution just makes it more crisp. You're just gonna it's gonna be like as crisp as possible. Sorry, <laughs> nice. Uh, I do want to segue into. Uh... A question that I've been having since we were talking about like certain game design tactics and stuff like that. Uh, what is your biggest like game design pet peeve, either with development or mechanics you don't like, or the way certain games play out, anything like that? Just what do you not like the most in uh, games? I mean, let me give it. Give it um, well, at the uh, I but this is a so. There's lots of things I don't like and do like, and being a game developer, I'm super practical. So you can't have your cake and eat it every day. So sometimes yeah. you you gotta give. Uh, I for me, I like you know my menus to be smooth and just want to go ding 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 ding. But I still want them to look animated and polished. 
So that I have that. That's a pet peeve. I don't like to set a cream poop, poop, poop. I like stuff to be, you know, everything is like fluent. Uh, mm-hmm. But my pet peeve at the moment is that that we sort of that game storytelling uh, is that we're finally getting out of this funk where game storytelling just was, you know, people with guns and why do you shoot because I'm the good <laughs> guy with, you know, things like control and uh, are, you know, break. We are having a little bit more fun storytelling. I'm not saying I can do that in the Falconeer because it's just me, but by, I, uh, I I'm I'd like to make see more games where it's not you're a hero because you killed 20 rats uh, that have not just moral ambiguity but that have a moral to them and which sort of makes sense more not yeah. not from some sort of you know uh, uh, wanting to change the world but that just makes for better storytelling if things yeah. are layered and uh, and I saw some some critiques that saying well you know if you start up The Last of Us it's, you're going to know how the story goes. You're going to know where the tearjerkers are and what they're going to do, where the sacrifices are, because that's that's just the story we've been telling for a long time, saying that's good storytelling in games. I, yeah. I like that type of criticism, is that, you know, because uh, uh, we make very violent things. Uh, most of the time. Uh, most of the times. And, and I, you <clears> know, <throat> I, I enjoy violent things. Uh, but I, uh, it's cathartic, uh, right? It's, fine. it's cathartic. So I, 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 I love that. And I think people, especially when you're saying talking about politics and games, people sort of kind of some gamers tend to clench. Oh my God, he's going to do. For me, it's about. Uh, I love all the gaming stuff, but I do sense. You know, I saw the Battlefield trailer a while back for the Pacific one, and it's just gratuitous violence. It's yep. it's two minutes of gratuitous violence, and with. Didn't we, you know, at the start of the, you know, uh, decade, start out with, you know, first-person shooters trying to tell a story about camaraderie, uh, mm. you know, what's it like to be in a war, sacrifice. It's back uh, off the line, I think, was was quite renowned for that, if memory serves. Yeah, and I, the I, horrors I of war. The horrors, of, and then you're, you know, you're trying to take our medium and actually, you know, do something sane with it. You put that violence in there, and it becomes contextualized. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, and then I look at the battlefield, it's just violence. It's, it doesn't have that... Con- so that's a pet peeve. I've been popping up and seeing games that just... They don't offer a context. And then it was, you know, it's it, it feels fake to me. You're just getting all this sensation. Well, I'm a hero, but you're, you're just shooting stuff. It's not... So- that, yeah. that, that's, that stance reminds me a lot of how, like, a lot of people look at cyberpunk as like, wow, this this is... It's so cool. Look at all this fancy technology and stuff like that. And it's, it's like... You're ignoring the fundamental parts of the genre being like anti-establishment, anti-corporate, any like anything that like this the world is screwed <laughs> in a cyberpunk story. But the people only focus on the cool tech. And you're seeing that a lot with like games like Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Where it seems like most of the time they're just focusing on the cool tech and not what the genre implies that cool tech means. I like I, well. And so I'm gonna jump on. The, let's eh, we're gonna have a little discussion about that. I I agree completely. There's a lot of fetishization of you know uh, lore, technology in games where people you know or the characters you know the one they're uh, you know we put them on a pedestal you know and these characters become important to us you know we dress up on on convention stuff like that uh, and the same with the technology what a gun's like what you know what a shotgun should feel like what the recoil should be we get very uh, stuff and then we get upset about you know uh, something like cyberpunk or you know uh, with all the you know uh, how do you call it? 
public discussions about uh, what they do with gender or sexuality. Or, and uh, I do, I must admit, I am a big fan of CD Projekt Red. So mm-hmm. I thought within the setting of, you know, something like The Witcher, which is very sexualized, masculine, and uh, there's definitely some issues there if you look at it from this perspective, but there's also some authenticity there from, yeah, it's supposed to be a, a brutal medieval world. Uh, and I think in that setting, if you look at Blood and Wine and some of the expense, they did some really, really interesting storytelling. Yeah. I think yeah. The storytelling in The Witcher 3, uh, in the expansions, uh, so not not necessarily the main game, which is the main game, but the expand Blood and Wine. What's the other one with the with the the dim character? Uh, those. Uh, if you've played yeah. those story, that's some that's some layered storytelling with characters about friendships, about you know, uh, one it's a vampire, about the dark side of you know, uh, fighting with your own nature. They they touch on a lot of philosophical themes themes. Uh, which I think is great because then you're playing a game and it, the game is making you think instead of you know shutting you down because we always think well I want to play a game to escape shut down my daily you know life for a little bit yeah uh, but in that sense the 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 Witcher if when done well and it's not perfect and it, but but it makes you think about things because it touches on philosophical topics and it's 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 super cool that way so I hope Einstein. that in 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 because I'm really looking forward to Cyberpunk. Yeah, they can take the genre which came from the 80s and 90s and from our punk movements and give it a kick in the ass and respect where it came from, but also do new new things with it. And yeah, you know, have those layered stories in there, uh, then it, yeah, then it's going to be a, a masterpiece because technologically, yeah. world building mm. looks unlike anything out there for me. So, yeah. uh, and and I, I think they've done that in the past. So. I'll reserve judgment, but I'm I'm quite hopeful it's going to be epic in every fucking way. <laughs> yeah, I, I really hope I really hope they knock it out of the park with that one. I'm just you know every single trailer of the game is just more hardcore rock or electro and just like screaming guns and oh we're gonna we're gonna burn the city down or whatever and it's just oh, wow such- this is like I, I, this I, is that, that's just I guess, I guess it's advertising trailer. I guess it's advertising but like wow. That doesn't instill much confidence in me. <laughs> I, I they're going to sell the product to the end of the day. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just selling the project. Uh, product. Uh, that, if you look at the Falconeer trailer, it's super emotional, but you won't be crying, you know, throughout every yeah. know, minute of the game. I'm it's whooping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so there's there's uh, when you do a trailer, you want to hit on certain points that trigger someone people to be enthusiastic. Mm. Uh, I think they've got the track record that they know they are they're gonna do lots more interesting things and uh, and that's what people want I guess I think that's you know uh, you add the things people want and once you have them on board in your game <clears throat> then you start you know uh, uh, conversing with them on interesting topics yeah yeah so and I think that's just marketing I, I wouldn't be worrying about that and it's 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 like saying you know if you look at Ghost in the Shell the original you know, uh, I remember the fetishization, it's a word I like, but, the, you know, the, of the gunplay in that movie and yeah. how the guns were designed and how they fold out. Uh, that's a huge part of that movie. But to say that that was the core of the movie is doing a huge disservice to, you know, the philosophical storytelling and the action and the characters in that movie. But it was yeah. there and it was fine because it's in the service of something bigger. As to me, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it's it. 
it's an interesting one because like for games for me certainly as i've <laughs> got grayer hairs and, and and got older i i find that the whole pew 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 um you know or lack of storytelling where it is just explosions like it starts to lose its luster for me yeah. and i think if i think back over the last sort of generation of games like some of my favorites have been very tiny indie uh story driven experiences like you know i off the top of my head things that kind of really stuck with me in my brain and made me think for hours afterwards were um what became of edith finch was one that you know really hit home for me um was oh, really man, heavy that game um from last gen <laughs> brothers a tale of two sons that mm. moment with the sticks that was great like using and that's the beauty of the medium that i think not not every game can do that right some games do have to be like movies right it's you get your popcorn you sit down you go for an absolutely mad you know ride through a crazy adventure and then it's done but the games that that kind of just poke your brain a little bit and make you think about life um I like those a lot more, and they stick with me afterwards, I think, a little bit more. I can't remember the difference, really, apart from the setting between Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5 and Battlefield yeah. 4. And I've got friends that say, oh, you should come back on and play it. And I'm just like, I've been there. I've done that. <laughs> you know? It's funny, too, because like I'm starting to get to the point now where uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of H Bomber Guy on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but he recently did a video discussing Pathologic, the first one. Mm. And it if for those that don't know who are watching somewhere in the world, I don't know who the heck is watching us. Uh, but <laughs> um, that game is, a is that game is explicitly designed to hate you and hate everything you're doing. It is stupid, difficult for the express purpose of daring you to finish it, daring you. And the entire point is like you get to the end and spoiler alert for people who haven't played it. Uh, you get to the end, and one of the endings you get is you have a chat with the developers in character <laughs> talking to you about all about the game they made and how, yeah, we did this because we just wanted to screw with you. Like, and it's just mind-blowing how we don't really see a lot of those games where it they're daring to make you feel something, to make you, to push you, prod you, make you angry that they exist but just wanting to keep playing to know why you're so angry, you know? Spec yeah. Ops The Line was not a fun game, but it was one of the most revered games of the, two, uh, the 2000s because of the way it being not fun pushed players to understanding what the point of the game was. Which it wasn't that, about I, fun. It was yeah. about how bad the situation yeah. was and how terrible PTSD is for the soldiers coming into war and coming out of war, mm. you know? Getting heavy here on the Xbox yeah. podcast. We're well, getting yeah. philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, well, I think that's, that's, I think that, 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 that uh, that's all of the things you said you could say about Death Stranding. You know, yeah. It's, not about the, it's the fact that you're walking through these desolate, bleak landscapes trying to connect and it's difficult and frustrating is part of the message he's trying to tell you. Yeah. Uh, which is it's it's super interesting that from the indie games up to you know those triple A, uh, which is still an auteur game. I think that's a yeah. term I heard somewhere. Uh, these auteur games are trying to uh, get you to think. I think you know, uh, in a sense, it's 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 uh, if you're truly philosophical, that's happening. With, not because at one end of the spectrum, we're all shouting at each other online. 
You know, yeah. if I open up, I, I play a lot of Company of Heroes, uh, the old one, you know, one. Yeah. It's just the best strategy game ever. <laughs> and, 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 and if you do something which is not the meta or which isn't, you know, the supposed way to, to you know, to beat the level with your teammate, you'll get an, an, an it used to be noob, noob, noob. Now it's you fucking, you know, F word, uh, <laughs> Jew. Uh, things. And it's, it's, it's a oh, constant geez. stream of racist rants and homophobic. It, it is. And that's oh, what we're doing man. to each other online. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and laughing about it because, yeah, we all get frustrated and all the, oh, I didn't win or ah, that fucker if he only attacked on the left side. Uh, uh, but that's a lot of aggression towards each other. And then on the other side, that's leading to people to make games to address that or to say, you know, because that's what Kojima is saying. So we need to yeah. connect more and realize if we play together, you know, we can have all our cake and eat it if we are able to contextualize it and say, well, sometimes mm. that's fine, sometimes it's not. Well, maybe calling someone yeah. that word isn't fine ever, but uh, uh, it, there's a release element, which is, yeah. but the, 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 it's got so skewed, I think through, you know, maybe games as a service and all that stuff, where it's just about you know like I've I've worked in mobile games and it's it's a fucking uh, uh, you know it's a race to the bottom you know if yeah. you open up a mobile game marketplace there there there's there's no way a gem nowadays would pop up because everything's done by advertising just acquiring the audience there's no you know level of quality they just test oh this game mechanic and then I'll pop you this in a purchase at that amount of seconds works the best so we'll go with that and that's that's to me is that it's it's Filthy and horrific, uh, yeah. Uh, and the counter, the counter is that, and that's why you know I love being on Xbox or uh, on PC is that we can that it is triggering makers to make games that do something different and are part of you know our time and our, you know they yeah. are seeing this and that there's a I, I outside of the game there's a world and be nice to reference that in the game we, games we play and yeah. that makes them. You know, if then this entire game is art discussion, if your game doesn't do that, yeah. it's, how is it art? If it's not, you know, you're walking out the door and, uh, you know, everything's about your fantastic fairy adventure and it's not referring you as person or the world you're walking out into or changing. Yeah. It, it can't ever be art. So in, in that sense, I think it's, it's a great time to be in games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, there are a lot more developers now that are willing to, willing to kind of put put themselves in it and it's not so much the product it's the, you know i think because we're all connected it's much like that classic phrase there's a there's an internet forum or an internet fan site for everything i think the yeah. same can be said of of niche genres of games there is something out there that you know a select small it might be a small group of people but those people will be super passionate about that one yeah. thing and if you can if you can not design for that mass market and you can take that risk and just design for that niche you'll find success because you'll be speaking to people that want that specific thing i mean and, yeah. and, and in a way i think that's that's why perhaps uh you know the the market uh, the industry has responded so well to something like game pass because to a degree it removes a lot of that risk i can't make game x because the audience for it is is super teeny and it, you can't market it well but in a subscription service like game pass you can throw that game out there and yeah you'll find your niche because your niche want it but then it's it's available to all these other people that might have never realized it could be their niche and they can go in and discover it um so we're seeing I, I think more and more nowadays we're seeing a lot more of that risk 
being taken um, and being rewarded, which is which is great for games in general because I've seen yeah. far more interesting things in the last yeah. decade than I have in the last twenty. <laughs> and I feel like that's because yeah. probably like publishers and uh, publishers and companies are starting to realize that when you're developing for console and PC, you, you're developing for an audience that's willing to pick up a controller and sit down for hours to play. You're not yeah. developing a distraction for people on the train. You know, you're developing someone something someone is going to sit down and invest time in. Which just opens up a whole lot of opportunities yeah. for a but, lot of things to thrive. Well, it's a mixed bag, though. As an indie developer, that's that's there is a limited amount of those niches, and you're already you know, people have been claiming the indie apocalypse for you know <laughs> two three years now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that that's happening as well. So it's it it, it is, and I love Game Pass. I hope the Falconeer one day will be on it. Uh, uh, I think it's the future of the game industry in in a way for the next you know five to ten years. Mm. Uh, but on the whole, indies, uh, I think it's 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 what you said. There'll be a niche for it. It's not how I perceive it because I I perceive that if you make something that has an interesting message to find your niche, uh, it'd be good to take the lessons learned from AAA gaming. Mm. That's what I'm doing with the Falconeer. It's very much an outdoor. It's about my personal life. It's about the experience I've had. There's lots of symbolism in it. It's a, it's an outdoor game, but I love AAA game. I'm trying to. You know, make the smallest possible triple A game I can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because if if it does well, I, I I think we can all say there's a tiny. I'm not interested as a maker. I'm not interested in a tiny audience. Uh, yeah. Audience right. of one is meh. An audience <laughs> of a hundred, meh. Audience of ten thousand, eh. Audience of half a million, eh. uh, That <laughs> you want. That's that's. So how are you going to reach half a million people? Well, you make something that looks great, feels great, has yeah. all the polished and trimmings they come to expect from from triple a games i think that's 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 where the you know the triple indie scene if you were is the most interesting mm. thing because you get yeah. games that have le learned the lessons and you know they're not providing you some you know amiga-esque experience unless they want to uh, yeah uh, I, I like that i like i like i like I, I i'll definitely always try to be on the production value side of things one, no. one way to reach a lot of people is easy achievements too. Just putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Give you a hundred. Stop trying to boost your gamer yeah. score by pleading for people who come on this hey, podcast. I, Listen, I'll, I have not I'll played a you. game on hardcore since I was twenty. I, I'll go to easy <laughs> on every story-driven game. Yep, <laughs> I'm the same. And oh like I God. said, uh, there's plenty of games, especially on Game Pass. As soon as I heard they had easy achievements, it was one of the first games I played, and I discovered <laughs> yeah. some brilliant games that way. Like, I don't know, I don't know, Thomas, if you've played a gar uh, Gardens Between or a Garden Between. Yeah. Um, it's an indie game on Game Pass, and again, a few of the guys in our Discord mentioned it had easy achievements, so I'm like, I'll give it a go and get the easy 1,000. <laughs> and you know what? It was a brilliant game. It is an absolutely top little indie puzzle game. Loved right. it. You should give it a go. Really, really good. I did the same thing with Goose Game. I think I, I played through that. I've played it on Switch, grabbed it on uh, on Game Pass when it launched, and uh, I think three, four hours, job done. Every, every you know, 1,000 1, achievement points. So I was like, yep, that was... And I loved it. And it's, <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful watching my five-year-old play it because I've never seen him cackle so maniacally as he has done when he's stolen the guy's hat or dug up his rose bush or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's, it's weird. Like I think this gen we've seen, and I've, I've said this before, we've seen this 
this uh, industry swing towards games as a service where every game tries to be the only game you play. Yeah. And now we're seeing it swing back the other way where they very much realized and, and you know, some of the AAA publishers um, have seen their big games. Oh, yeah, games as a service. Come in and play this. Make it the only game you play. Fall on its ass because, well, like, people are tired of that and they don't have the time for it to be the only game they play. Like Division 2, mm. I don't think, did particularly well um for for ubisoft breakpoint you know sorry that that format has its place but unless it's something super unique after a while you're just going to run out of credit and uh you're going to have to do something a little bit different so i like that there are smaller more you know yep here's my story it's a to b you you finished hope you had fun and the moment the moment ea gave respawn the the star wars license and they made jedi fallen order and it was literally like the best Star Wars game EA had made in years. They're like, we just got to green light the sequel. <laughs> well, even then, even then, like, you know, I know um, Falcon on, on our website. Um, he's one of the guys. He did a review and he loved it. I, I mean, I'm playing through Jedi Fallen Order and I'm kind of like. I just finished it. I just finished it yesterday. It's just there's so I've many bugs. It. So I, see, I, I, like, I see that it's janky and stuff, but you see the review scores and you see most of the people reacting to it and you're like, yeah, it's jank, but most people love this. <laughs> so yeah. Maybe I'm just wrong. I just, I just get... I just... I, ugh, I don't know. I do enjoy it. I like the game and I've only got a few achievements left. I'm cleaning them up now. But it's just a shame because there's an even better game sitting under all that jank. Yeah. Like there is a legitimate game of the generation sitting there underneath all that jank. Like it's it's surprising <laughs> there's so much of it there from a team like Respawn. It's very surprising. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, I mean that that was we got we got into some heavy heavy stuff there. I hope everyone's you know feeling like their minds have been expanded a little. Um, the only <laughs> other question I had, I, and I think you may have covered it, but just for the sake of repetition. Um, the Falconeer is scheduled for 2020, but I don't think it has an exact release date yet. Not yet. It's done when it's done. Soon. Done when it's done. That's my favorite. No, no, no. <laughs> done when it's done. That's good. That's yeah. That's, that's a good, good. That's a good. Just try thing and to make have. sure that it's done like next month or so. <laughs> I've got a window February to March. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> that's definitely not going to happen. So I'll be honest about it. <laughs> Okay. It does look uh, really cool, though. It does look yeah, really, really good. I'm looking forward to playing it. And thank you for, for, for sharing so much info on it. Um, now, uh, as is tradition, whenever we have a guest, we, we usually ask them to sort of stick around and we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll dive into other topics because it's always good to get everyone's thoughts. Um, and we have a, a section, fairly newish section now, because, you know, since doing the podcast, we've had... Um, we've had some some cool peeps sort of reach out to us, and we've we've been able to dig out some stuff. So uh, this is the 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 rumor mill segment. I really need to find a jingle or get someone who's clever clever in audio <laughs> to design us a little jingle I can play yeah. where we talk about so that we don't have to uh, be hit with a copyright strike for using some song with a rumor mantra in it. Um, mm. But Ed. Uh, you know what's what's on this week's edition of the of of the rumor mill? What what you're hearing yeah, on the yeah. ground? Because I understand there's there's a lot churning out there. Yeah, there is. Um, we won't get through all of it today. I, I know in the last episode I brought up Elden Ring and how 
it'll be shown at the Series X unveil in like April, May. Something I forgot to mention, and I've been told I can mention it. Now, look, obviously we all know that people don't need much of an excuse to hate Microsoft. Um, so I feel bad <laughs> potentially giving them one more reason. <clears throat> but uh, what I've been told with Elden Ring, because obviously a lot of people are looking forward to this game and they want to see it as early as possible. If you jump on Reset on Resetera, you'll see th there's so many threads that talk about Elden Ring's being showed in the Game Awards. Elden Ring's being showed at you know, uh, PlayStation meeting, whatever it is, like everyone's waiting. And, for and, in, and indeed, show. I think WCCF Tech, I can't remember their website, they actually linked your rumor in the in the last podcast. So it <laughs> jumped our jumped our views up on our YouTube bit. channel up by several several thousand. So there's some key <laughs> Elden Ring fans. I, I even got I even got some interesting messages on reset Lucky after you. that little rumor came out. Um, <laughs> But the one thing I forgot to mention was, and this is where people might get a little bit pissed off, it was actually Microsoft allegedly that approached Namco about delaying the reveal till the Series X show. Now, why that is, I don't know, but it probably begs a few questions. Um, about cross well, why would why a Namco why would Namco agree to delay revealing it if they were ready to reveal it? Mm. That's the part I'm not sure about. Um, so that's just something I forgot to mention. Uh, the other thing, I know there's been a lot of speculation about Lockhart, whether Lockhart's a real thing. Is it the server blades for xCloud? Um, whatever the case may be. From what we've been told, Lockhart is a real thing. It's launching the same time as the Series X. Um, Presumably on time the frame, series time S. frame or specific release date when no 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 they're re they're releasing simultaneously okay um, and I've seen a lot of mock-ups of people basically producing white game cubes as Lockhart they just assume that it'll be like half the size of the Series X uh, we've been told that Lockhart's just going to be a normal traditional form factor console so flat. You know, a, a little birdie, a shelf. little birdie told us that they saw some slides a while back, and these slides were in reference to the new Xbox at the time, Anaconda, as it was known then. And at the time, this little birdie mentioned that they saw a silhouette of a PC tower, and they were a little bit confused by that at the time. But obviously, now in hindsight, we know why the hell they saw a PC tower. But when they saw the slides for Lockhart, it was a traditional-looking console. So one can assume Lockhart's just going to look maybe like a 1S, 1X type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. As Still a little hoping bit, that, a it of... isn't, that it isn't like super underpowered compared to the 1X. Well, look, let's let's, uh, let's lean uh, in here. So, Thomas, as a developer, right? I mean, I'm not sure if you've any, ever read any of the online rhetoric that surrounds the furor of the console wars and the and the the anger between sides if you're that way inclined but a lot of people feel that if and obviously this is all hypothetical at this point because nothing's been confirmed if microsoft were to launch the series x with its purported um power level etc but then we've got this four teraflop uh smaller more cheap more accessible 1080p 60 machine so it's got the same architecture, but just a smaller GPU, effectively. 
from a development aspect, a lot of folks have been online going, oh, it's going to hold back the gen. Everyone's going to have to cater for the lowest common denominator. When from from my perspective, certainly, and from, from the other argument side, well, that's what people do on PC now. I've got a GTX uh, or RTX 2070 Super. My friend's got a GTX 970. We can play the same game. We just play it at different settings. Do you think that that's a valid argument? I.e., is it going to hold back the gen from a development perspective, or do you think that eh, it's nothing to worry about? We cater for different build qualities all the time. And, you know, and, and, and to be honest, uh, um, there is a. I, I think that if they release a, a smaller version, they'll run the same games but at different resolutions. Yeah. Like yeah. the less pixels, only exactly the same experience. Uh, mm. They're touting a few other technologies, uh, you know, to to improve uh, performance on certain aspects. There's, like I said, there's a few bottlenecks in 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 for years and for generations that's been in consoles. If they solve that and they port the bottleneck to a smaller console that doesn't have the power, you will see still see a quantum leap in what you can do on it. Mm. Uh, so that's that. I think there's no reason to be incredibly pessimistic of what it can do. I, I'm certain it will come with some say, well, you can do 4K if you have, you know, uh, a xCloud subscription, but otherwise... It, but if they just fix some of the bottlenecks in console development, uh, it'll be boom, because, you know, uh, uh, I dare say that, you know, some of the GPUs in the console due to them being, you know, the production value cost needs to be so low, yeah. is sometimes overpowered for the rest of the hardware that's in there and the, the architecture itself uh, with what you can do uh, compared to a PC, for instance. So uh, it's not all about, you know, teraflops and processing power. It's how you, you know, get from the memory to the GPU, how the GPU gets from mm, the CPU. Yeah. How, you know, flushing the textures and all that stuff. Uh, that's often delaying your stuff. If they can solve that and, and put it in a smaller form factor, that runs 1080. You will see, you'll see a lot more interactivity and stuff that relates to gameplay and fluidity, you know, and frame rate. Uh, mm. uh, that said, the the uh, for people that grew crazy, you want 8K. The amount of additional performance that is needed for you know the jump from 1080 to 4K and then again to 8K. Remember that screen. That's that's surface area. That's that's squared. So that's that's going like. You know, it's uh, mm. 4K, uh, you double for 8K. What, what's that? It's going to be uh, at least four times uh, uh, 4K, which is another four. So the, by the time mm -hmm. you go 1080 to 8K, it's like 16 times uh, the, the amount of pixels. And then if you do large stuff, like lots of, so for instance, I'm doing lots of clouds. You know, it's essential to have really great cloud tech. Yep. Lots of transparent sorting. Do that at fucking 8K, it'll break your PC. <laughs> <laughs> or, or 2080 by just doing alpha sorting and all these sort of base things. Uh, 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 that way, that still that are still incredibly heavy with overdraw and stuff like that. So uh, for something to power, I'd, I'd say let's. I prefer I prefer to say well, yeah, this fuck resolution. Say 4K is nice. 4K is nice. Let's cap it at that and yeah. use all that fucking excessive power to do more. <laughs> Amazing yeah, stuff, yeah. Yeah. and I think I I I I think a lot of developers would think the same way. Well, I, I, I will I skip agree. on 8K and will be enhanced because you know we're going to put all that power in some you know amazing physics or have a thousand units mm. actually do something yep. or rag dolls that didn't go like that. Uh, uh, 
Uh, and I think what also happened, a lot of developers initially, if they solve all the, some of these issues, they get a little lazy because the effort it takes to port something, to optimize something is so ridiculous. And, 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 and commercially to be able to go, I, it runs, great, okay. Uh, uh, it's gonna be <laughs> it doesn't a, a, light a your box on fire. It's not lighting your box on fire, great. Uh, once you reach, a, there's now already an overkill really. The things we can do, the, the way things look are, are shocking. You know, the type of games you can do now. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the added cost of having more detailed environment. Uh, I think there's a lot of studios are going to make, well, let's let's invest more in, you know, not necessarily having even more amazing graphics, but having more amazing stories or better voice acting or investing like mocap, a better, you know, a facial expression, which it's all in the demo. So I yeah. think there might be some, some, uh, some, uh, some stuff that's not going towards bigger explosions, but fairly subtle stuff that makes life easier or makes for better stories. Yeah, it's going to help too because the, the develop the development bump. No, I wouldn't say bump. The development hurdle when we went from 480p on the OG Xbox PS2 era all the way to 720p and 1080p. Well, not even 1080p, around like a little less than 720p for the 360 and PS3 generation was so massive for a lot of companies that coupled with the recession, it's like it just became expensive to have 720p textures. And then we went from 720p to 1080 standard and now to 4K and the development costs for big, big studios is just ballooned because of that. But I don't think we're going to like see much of that because like... 4K was just starting adoption when this generation started. Yeah. 720p, 1080p was starting adoption when the 360 generation started. But 8K is so far off that it's just like, no one's going to care I, 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 at I this think, point. I, I think nobody's going to care now, and it's not going to be that that it's like, uh, you know, remember those 3D stereoscopic goggles? You got oh, yeah. <laughs> the 3D TVs. I, I, but for fuck's sake, I, I, it'll be standard because I just bought a 42-inch brandless tv for 250 euros 4k wow. i'm looking at it it's, it's running my it's literally the cheapest tv i could buy and it's got it's the, it's an okay so it's like media marked i don't know if you have them over there they're like a, a yeah a giant giant moloch of electronica and they have their own in-house brand and i'm sure the menu is ugly and everything but it's a 4k tv for four 250 bucks so it's it's like I think yeah. it'll be 8K build there, but um, for me, I can see the difference between uh, 1080 and 4K a lot. You know, it's, it's yeah. a lot crisper, um, and I could see the difference between 720 and 1080. I, I don't think I'll be I'll be hard pressed to tell the difference between 4K and 8K. Yeah, uh, I think the, the only ones who are going to be returns here. yeah, and I think the only ones who are going to be complaining for a while are the people who are rich enough to even afford an AK TV at this point. They're like what six thousand to eight thousand dollars for even yeah. like a, a small like it's small fifty inch now, and that's just weird for me to say like right. fifty inch being the smallest TV size, but it's almost mm. true at this point because the average TV is like like what forty eight to fifty inches now in most people's homes, and yeah. those yeah, AK I, TVs are like almost ten k. I so. think a lot of this, though, is 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 the, the mindset of a console now has changed, right? So this is the first gen, and arguably the worst gen for for Microsoft to well drop the ball uh, to mess up as, mm. as heavily as they did, because now you know it's not like a traditional console generation where up 
I've chucked my 360 in the cupboard. None of those games are going to work on this new one. Away we go, yeah. right? We're back to this is X86. The exoticness somewhat has gone, although you know we have got the the addition of NVMe and and you know looks like they're doing something with SSDs and virtual RAM and um, to to really improve how games stream in and and load data. Um, but outside of that kind of customization, this is x86. It's 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 a known quantity, and it now means that all of the games I own can come along for the ride, and I can boot the Falconeer up in 2021 on my Series X and and go and have fun with it, right? Um, and when they say about 8K and 120 FPS support, a it's a marketing buzzword in my opinion, but you know it's also a little element of future proofing. If you build into your dynamic resolution buffer, that you know. Yes, you can go up to 8K if, if the headroom allows it, but otherwise you stick at 60. When you then, 10 years from now, get the next console and you load up that old game, the developers don't have to do anything. No one has to do anything. The game will just go, I'm in this mode, but I can I, I now have X amount of headroom. That's personally what I think is, is kind of happening. I, th- I don't think you'll see very many games take advantage of 8K, 120 FPS. Um, and if you do, I'd be gobsmacked. But I'll, I'll see. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll... Uh, 120 is i think 120 will be a standard i'd love 120 to be a standard i think i think <laughs> honest i think what, what you said on pixels super right but 120 is 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 to to have a solid 120 as a baseline mm. i think uh, i'll do a little <laughs> on, hold on, on on series on series x 120 no yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, if it's capable, it'll do it. You know. I bet Halo Infinite is one twenty. I'll be, I'll yes. be happy. I'll be happy if we can just get sixty As on a standard. Yeah. If we I can just get sixty on everything, sixty will be a standard. I think that the days of 30 FPS, as unless on handheld devices, are over. Because you, someone should tell Bungie that. I explained to you just a second I said, what are the is Destiny at 30 FPS or something? Destiny is 30 FPS on consoles. consoles. For some reason, even on the X and the Pro, uh, on PC it's unlocked frame rate, which baffles my mind because the One X is more than capable of, at the very least, 1080p 60 in that game. But they won't do it. Bungie just refuses to make anything other than a 30 FPS console game. And it's I just... think uh, I think no development. I think a lot of time that's a, that's a fallacy. I think there's people that love games at Bungie. If it were easy, they would have done it. I think something yeah. in their engine is picking up yeah. performance, something in their gunplay or their physics maybe that will require a rewrite to run. Uh, and don't you know it's power powerful box the One X, but uh, it's not a magic box. So yeah. you might have it over <laughs> at 40 FPS, and then you get. Uh, uh, Shit, desyncing. Uh, yeah. That you know, because you have crossplay, that they're keep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I I would give them a very serious benefit of the doubt that there's an issue yeah. to it, and that they're they've they've looked in it. At some point, com- it becomes prohibitive to do it, and yeah. that's why. They're yeah. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping that when uh, the move to next generation starts, we're starting to see. We'll start to see a lot of the developers who do have pipeline issues preventing them from getting to 60 FPS. Just say, yeah, these pipeline issues like don't exist because we're just going to port the PC version over because yeah. it's, it's a better. That's a better It's 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 hardly ever a pipeline issue because there's no yeah. engine that doesn't support cross-platform 60 FPS, and yeah. it's not hard to do, especially if you're using a you know. Uh, fixed uh, frame rate for like let's say controls and uh, uh, yeah. the gameplay, so that's always running at uh, probably even at 60. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, and then the frame, it's usually, it's just performance and stability. Because what happens yeah. if you go to 60 on, on the graphics, you can get bottlenecks where it needs to wait. And then it, it doesn't drop to 40, 58, yeah, right. 40 or 30. And then you have these huge drops that you'll feel while playing. So yeah. uh, there's a lot to be said for consistency. And that's usually the argument is to keep it consistent mm. hardware that can't smoothly run something. Yeah. And then 30 is a valid, it's better than 30 than to keep it at 45, 60. Yeah, going you want a consistent experience all the way yeah. through. Yeah, and I guess I guess Jedi Fallen Order surprises me then because it's using Unreal, and when I run it in performance mode, it's still super choppy. Like it's probably super, a frame pacing issue. That's probably a frame yeah. pacing no, no, issue. No. It drops well, like, like it because the thing is like Bloodborne on the Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three have the issue of it's a sixty FPS for the most part, at least if I remember right, but it has weird frame pacing issues. Where it'll feel like it's chugging, but I mean the frame rate isn't really shifting all that much. No, no, no. You know? In in Jedi, it's chugging along like heavily, which kind yeah. of surprises me because Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, as soon as you put those in 1080/60, they are ridiculously smooth. Like I don't know what that engine is doing, but it those games look incredible on One X at 1080/60, and they run unreal yeah so so i think though that the 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 engine that that edos use uh i think digital foundry always use it as a go-to for benchmarking because it's just such a well-optimized game amazing Um, on all platforms as i understand it even stadia Mm. no (laughs) (laughs) anyway um okay uh what what else have you got for us in in the in the rumor mill you've got more uh more well, hold on. Did you want to do the others, or did you still want me to? Uh, yeah, I, I can do. I can do some. I can do some before we get onto the the big hot topic, right? Uh, which I'm is... gonna. I, I might. I might hold on to my other one. I'll okay. wait. Okay. Well, I mean, because we're because we're already going an hour and a half, and we've still got a lot more to go. I know. I know. Uh, well, yeah. I'll, I'll some brief some brief things that uh, that I've heard, and I'm. I'm paraphrasing here because I want to make sure I don't get anyone into <laughs> trouble. Um, so a couple of things. Um, first off, uh, Playgrounds RPG rumored to be Fable. Fable. Um, I heard, uh, and again, you know, caveat. This is this is what I've heard from from a uh, a source that I have. Um, pinch of that, salt and all that. Yeah, pinch of salt and all that. Um, despite that the team has been hiring out crazy, and I think although a lot of people are really hoping that we're going to see Fable uh, at E3, um, apparently they're, they're not having... It's not going as smooth as they would have liked from a development perspective, and obviously no development is smooth. Um, but lots of problems with actual engine. It was apparently... Uh, being somewhat difficult um so you know very very surprised if we see fable at e3 2020 i know that's probably going to bum a lot of people out if we do i think it will be a cgi or a in-engine render like a target thingy Mm -hmm. very similar to hellblade um because i think that game's probably a little bit further out than everyone would have hoped you know so if you're sitting there thinking it's a 2021 title or even a launch title or anything crazy like that 
think again. Um, Doesn't seem like it. Speaking of Hellblade 2, y'all are super down on that trailer. I, like... I love that trailer. No, no, no. In terms of graphics, you guys are like, you guys are like, it'll never look like that on console. I'm like, but it could it look like that on console. We already got games looking that good on console. I am too old. I am too old to be getting fooled too by old in in Jay's Jay's trailers now. Oh been, my I've god! I've been sucked into this. You know. It, it, Forza Horizon 4 looks exactly like the photorealistic trailers that they put out prior to the game's launch. Okay. We're getting to the point now game, where... But what, wasn't that gameplay, though? It was still in-engine? Was right. it not? Okay, let's, let's compare it. Uh, Halo Infinite, <laughs> Slip Space Engine demo, in-engine, real-time, blah, 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 blah. Does it really look like the later demo that we got that was arguably probably more closer to the mark looked better that looked better the the second the second trailer looked way better than the first one yeah I, well, I, mean, I i go back and watch it again the second trailer looks more realistic as to what the game will look like the first trailer is 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 perfect in terms of its its rendering and its image quality but you're also looking at it like okay most of the saying, shots of the first most of the shots in the first trailer were like close ups of like rubble or rocks on the wall or tree branches uh, like, on the side of course, of course like, it's gonna look great because you're getting the close-up shots so they're not like backing up so you can see it like you know the, i can't remember the the term is fovea no <sighs> whatever where the, where the textures low were lower in resolution because you're getting far away like loss of detail yeah loss of detail uh <laughs> And it's just... Thomas is like listening to us rant, and he's thinking, "Yeah, we need Thomas to jump in here because you need to tell us. You need to tell us if we're talking shit right now, or yeah. if you know, tell me if I'm wrong." <laughs> I, the, uh, I, I saw the trailer. I really dug the music, and oh, uh, hell, young, uh, pretty awesome uh, with all the throat singing and stuff. Uh, um, I think I would want me to give. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it looks really good. Uh, uh, I, I was, you know, there's magic you can do when it's an in-game cutscene and it's the high detail models and uh, uh, once you start running the game, that all goes down to a lot of model. So yep. I think it probably looked like that. I think the facial expressions they did, uh, 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 it would be realistic to have that. That the lighting was really good and was exaggerated what you did with the mouth and the uh, mm. I think it it would be something to expect from the next gen for at least the in-game cutscenes to have that level of for a game that focuses on it. So I, I wouldn't be that's that's not you know there's nothing in the trailer that doesn't seem unrealistic for gameplay. No, that won't you know that won't fly. I, yeah, you see no, these things on Twitter so game art are. Character models are now 25 million triangles. You go, yeah, okay, well, that's not it running in game when you have 60 henchmen and stuff. Now, is that's it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and physics. The model and you make, you know, the that one stuff. model that, that's on the box shots and, and maybe on the ha- uh, on the key visual, and you'll use it maybe in the character selection. or uh... So there's, 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 you know, you can safely say that's from in engine, in game, and it's still not representative of the final gameplay. But I thought it was good, and uh, I heard the entire uh, advertising, the entire commercial with the balls flying about, and uh, the X1 Series X. Yeah. That was all done in engine, so uh, and ran on an One X, as I believe that. Wow. Okay. Ah, okay. So that's that's an interesting note. So the trailer produced 
for the that's Series X I, to announce it was uh, built and ran on on the console itself. That's I, I, I that's I don't know I, I I that's a rumor I might not I don't know how true that. Hey, is. it's the rumor mill. <laughs> Anything goes. That's, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> that's what I heard it was, and uh, that makes uh, complete one hundred percent sense to me uh, to do it that way. Yeah. That's pretty cool if that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, yeah. I think that that's what they were trying to say. This is representative of the quality you're going to get, and there was nothing in there that triggered me to go. That's full shot. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I, I think I think it's worth and, and, and Nick, I don't know if you have anything you want to say on this, but I think it's worth touching on for the sake of the timing of the podcast and 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 just just to to briefly mention it is that you know the the, the rumors have been swirling. So we've got Series X at a purported uh, twelve teraflops of processing power. And there's been a lot of arguments Nick. about what a teraflop is. Calm down, Nick. Right. Um, teraflop, uh, look- teraflop. Um, there's been there's been RDNA teraflops versus GCN teraflops, right? A teraflop is still a teraflop, and there's been two times the Xbox One X, eight times the Xbox One. I don't know. There's been a lot of math going around, right? So <laughs> math, math, math from my ass. That's about as much as it's going on. But look, what... look, look. I I can understand. I'm not saying I agree, but I'm saying I can understand the argument that some are perpeting in that thread about whether it's 12 teraflop GCN, but only 9 or 10 RDNA or whatever. I, I'm not savvy enough to understand it properly. I'm not going to pretend to be. I can understand the argument, though. The logic is there. I don't know where the truth lies. The only thing I am adamant about is that these consoles are not going to have HBM in there. Yeah. Stop that shit. Oh, my Stop. God. Yeah. Seriously? Then that's that's not going to be a thing. For context to anyone, for context to anyone that's watching, there's been several people in the next gen thread on era who have continuously said that the PlayStation Five will include HBM memory. I've seen someone uh, try and try and say, "Oh, I think it's going to have 16 gigabytes of HBM2 memory," and I'm like, "No." Plus, not not just HBM2 memory. 16 gigabytes of HBM2 memory plus, plus. 16 gig- gigabytes of DDR4. And I'm like, no, there's no effing way in the universe that's going to happen in a $400 box. No way. That's the underlying sentence, right? AMD could barely get HBM2 into a cost-effective position to sell the Vega 56 and 64 at a reasonable price, and they're still overpriced for how how powerful those cards are. There's no way Sony is ever going to bother putting anything other than GDDR6 in that box. Ever. It doesn't make sense. GDDR6 is performant, it's cheap, and it's readily available. And it isn't going to drive up the cost of the box. HBM2 would be almost half the price at 16 gigabytes. <laughs> Sony, Sony wants a $400 box. Yeah. That is what Sony wants to get out there. Because they've only got one. They're not going to come out with two. Doesn't like, come on. There has to be like, there has to be like drinking involved in this, right? There has to be like whiskey shots taken. Someone's putting up scores on a board somewhere. This is like an elaborate game, right? Someone, Thomas, someone's going to get a pot. Someone's going <laughs> to get a pot of five thousand dollars at the end of this, and it's not going to be me, and I'm going to be very disappointed. But yeah. I feel it. I feel like someone's just playing playing tricks here. Someone's just yeah. making making posts to fill a thread. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, Thomas, I, any, know, any insight? 
<laughs> I, I think a four hundred dollar box because the previous gen didn't start at four hundred dollars, did it? Which gen? This gen? Uh, which gen? This gen? Well, PlayStation came in at three ninety nine. PlayStation was four hundred. Xbox I don't know. I think this is today's world might be a couple of hundred more. This generation, I saw yeah. and the new iPhone is like fourteen hundred dollars or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's not enough. Apple tax. <laughs> they're trying to do big things might be a little bit more expensive and then they might sell you this nice cloud-based stuff as well so this uh, is and this is goes back to phil spencer's quote right what did he say he said we won't be beaten on power or price no you won't because on one end of the spectrum you'll have power which is your premium product for the the audience that cares about you know high definition high fidelity 4k 120 fps that's over you right we'll sort you out here's the, the high end and then you'll have lock part which will be your your 1080p 1440p 60 box plays all the same games just at lower resolution because that's going to be the differentiator is just pixels on screen everything else will be the same it could, the well, it, it could be they're, they're going to get a little bit more aggressive because you sort of can imagine it's the last generation to shift the numbers and then yeah. change the game after that so i don't i don't know it's it's it's, it's, it's a Especially with the rumors of like Sony having trouble getting BC to work in the new box, because mm. mm. I I don't remember where that leak was from Gamespot or something, but there was a there was a rumor I read earlier today where Sony was having Sony some Sony engineers are having trouble figuring out how to get full backwards compatibility with the PlayStation Four into the PS Five because well, I mean, it's not it's likely going to be a hacked together software solution unless they throw a ps4 into the ps5 don't don't forget and this is the thing like i i think the the part that annoys me about that thread is that everyone's choosing to ignore basic realities so the ps4 pro <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a lo- next gen launch it's a next gen speculation thread okay. you expect realities no, I, in that? <laughs> I understand that but like mark mark cerny kearney however you pronounce it he openly admitted that the PS4 Pro was built the way it was, where they literally just whacked the second GPU in the box and called it a day. That was the, the main <clears throat> impetus behind that was so that they wouldn't break backwards compatibility with the PS4. So surely that gives people a clue as to what as to how the PS5 is going to be affected. Like it has to be affected at least a little bit by the backwards compatibility. Yeah, based on it's what probably going to be what I'm what I'm like seeing is it might be the entire the entire architecture of the box might stay relatively similar enough to where all they have to really do at that point would be to emulate the CPU downclock it to maybe PS4 Pro levels, even even if they have to do that, because since it's all based x86 64, I mean, there'd be very little effort, I would imagine in just porting it over but because of the different architecture and because you're taking advantage of a completely new like system soc with right with zen 2 with uh with the rdna navi uh navi gpus all that stuff like that i don't know because i feel like at the end of the day if they if they're if their goal is 100% backwards compatibility, the only way I see that happening this late in the game is throwing a PS4 in the box and calling it a day. 
I don't not, or a PS4 that's mode. That's not gonna happen. That's or a PS4 happen. mode. I don't see anything on the level of Xbox where the games will it be. It doesn't enhanced. need to be though. It doesn't need to be. Like, True. They just need to have the games running. That's it. Just make sure yeah. the all the game not this because I remember with the PS3, I bought the launch PS3 for the backwards compatibility. And the European, the PAL version got gimped and it wasn't a hundred percent backwards compatibility. The American version was, the EU version, the PAL version was not, which pissed me off. I just don't want a situation like that. I don't yeah. care about enhancements. Just let me play all my PS4 games. And that's going to be the sentiment, I think, for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, it's a bullet point Microsoft has in their favor over PlayStation. And it's a bullet point I don't think Sony would let lie down. I don't know if that's the right phrasing for that. But... Uh, I don't think let let lie. I think it's something that Sony's probably trying to grapple with right now of whether or not full compatibility would be even possible without compromises. Because right yeah. now Xbox is poised to have a no compromises solution because they already have something that works magic, almost literal magic on the Xbox one and the Xbox one X, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and it's because they had tech built into the box from day one. Sony mm. doesn't have that with the PlayStation 4. And according to this leak here, if I'm speculating right, they probably never even wanted to have it for the PS5. But because Xbox was going all in on four generations of Xbox on one box, they're like, crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> mm. Well, their so, biggest hurdle was going to be the sell from the PS3, right? Because, well, it wasn't particularly great. I don't even think program. you can still fully emulate the sell. Like, some games are running on an emulator on PC pretty well right now, mm. but most games are still running like trash. Sure, it'd be mm. Sony with the emulate, Sony with the code and how that architecture works some, buried somewhere in their back office. But, I mean, it's still down to. Mad, the magic of software engineering and how and how talented their engineers will be trying to get a solution together in time. Who uh, knows? I think, I think be... everyone. I think everyone needs to just be happy. We're getting two really good boxes. If if the PlayStation Five turns out to be nine point two, then it's nine point two. That's still a really, really, really big jump. Yeah, that's the pro. triple the pro. So, and like I it's... said earlier, it doesn't. I agree with you. It's still a great box for if it launches at four hundred at nine point two teraflops. That's still a great box. But oh, it is. And Internet some, Forum Warriors. I saw earlier today. Internet, <laughs> Internet Forum Warriors aren't going to be happy. They're going to be, huh? This number is smaller than the other number. That no, no. sucks. Yeah. Yep. Well, Pretty much. Bless them. Never mind. Um. Yeah, so I guess I guess that'll that'll do for the uh, for the, the rumor mill, um, yeah. For this this episode, um, plenty plenty going on out there, and we'll hear more as we get into twenty twenty. Um, I think stuff will come out um, as more dev kits proliferate into the wild. Um, yep. But being the end of the year, um, games of the year, and being the end of the decade, games of the decade. Um, so well, before quickly, we go, go on. Do you want me to quickly run through my top five for games of the decade, or do you want to do yeah. our own individual games, of the, games of the year first? Whatever. 
<laughs> Whatever, man. I skip. I think I we should probably skip my top five. I skip for the sake of for the sake of time, we for the sake of time because we're running almost into two hours right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's People do be, games of the decade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Games of the decade. Um, okay. go for it. Okay, so I'll just go quickly through mine that I did on the website. Uh, number five, I've got Alan Wake. Came out in 2010, right at the start of the uh, decade. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Alan Wake. Uh, I don't like all of Remedy's games, but I love Alan Wake. I love what it did with the flashlight, wear down their shield, shooting system. Yep. I like that it didn't just deliver the story through cutscenes. It delivered it. You know, I said the same thing about Halo. I said the same thing about other games. Any game that's delivering a story through more than just cutscenes is always good for me. Yeah, well, uh, and Alan Wake, I thought, did that really, really well. It's uh, a good game. Number f- yeah, number four. I'm going to go through these quick because I know Thomas is short on time. Um, number four, Mark of the Ninja. Um, I've said it before on the forums. Mark of the Ninja <laughs> is literally the game I dreamt about as a child. Playing Shinobi, I loved Shinobi as a kid. And I always dreamt that one day maybe games would get to a point where they look like cartoons. And, you know, it'd be all stealth-based and you'd be doing awesome moves and all this cool shit. And Mark of the Ninja is exactly that. And it's on everything now. It's remastered and it's on everything. So there's no excuse for everyone not to get it. Um, number three, Super Mario Odyssey. I saw you had a Switch controller there, Thomas. Have you played Super Mario Odyssey? Really? Wow. I'm not allowed to play games until the fucking year starts. Is that a self-employed discipline or is that someone above you going, <laughs> hold on, buddy? No, no, no. That's, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. When, when that time comes and you get uh, the Falconeer out the door and you can play games, make sure Super Mario Odyssey is one of the first Switch games oh. you play. It is, in my opinion... This generation, it's the only game that's come out that deserves a 10 out of 10. Because I know reviewers trip over themselves to give 10 out of 10s to everything. Super Mario Odyssey actually deserves it. It's an unbelievable game. Best 3D Mario game ever. It's amazing. Um, Number two, Rocket League. Man, everyone knows how much I love that game. Of course, (laughs) Rocket Rocket League. League. It's just, it's so damn good. It is just the funnest game, and I could play it forever, and I probably will be playing it forever. Um, 8K 120 FPS next year, yeah? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Um, And my favorite game of the decade is Titanfall. Uh, It's, for me, the best multiplayer shooter ever. Uh, I didn't think that Vince and the guys could top Call of Duty, but I reckon they did. Titanfall feels amazing. They wrecked it a little bit with the second one. The multiplayer is not as good in the second one. But um, Titanfall 1, man, I wish people were still playing it because it is an, an unbelievable game. Yeah. Everything they did with the AI where, you know, people who are new to shooters can come in and still feel like they're contributing by taking out all the grunts and stuff. Yeah. But then even the better players, even if they're having a bad game, they can still sort of, you know, take out the grunts and contribute to the score and... Just everything it was doing with the Titan timer and everything. It's just, yeah. I love it was, Titanfall. It was a, a great, uh, I think it was so, definitely so the first next-gen kind of moment where you call the Titan down. It Titan just felt ground. badass every single time. Oh, 
It's it so was, good. It was very smooth so, to play. And, you know, it's funny. I jump in once in a blue moon, and even though the population is almost zero, I still get into games quicker than some new shooters. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing on the back end, but it puts you in games real fast. So good. But so yeah, if that's if it. If your number one is Titanfall, Cairo, what's, what's your number one game of the, of the decade? So the last well, 10 years, 2010 to now. And that's a hard decision because there's a lot of good games this, this decade that because I went to Probably high school. Gun to your head. <laughs> gun Think to my fast. head. You know, what, what's your favorite? If, if you just Portal had to. Two. Portal what? 2. Portal 2. Portal 2. Good choice. The last, the last major game Valve ever released that wasn't a multiplayer focused title where the writing staff they had, Eric Woolpaw on the writing team, I think it was the lead writer for that game. Uh, comedy writer, like one of the best in the field at his, at what he does. Uh, think they had who did they have playing Wheatley? I can't remember what his voice actor's name was, but uh, just everything that came because uh, you should know who, who the, I, I should think, know. You know. It's a Brit. Um, yeah. he was in the office, the, the British version of the office. Yeah, <sighs> like. The thing, the thing with Portal Two is, I heard it defined once in a review. I think Stephen as a Merchant, genre, as, huh? Stephen Merchant, Merchant, yeah, Stephen Merchant, yeah. Uh, fantastic voice actor. His 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 character acting for Wheatley was just amazing, uh, and he really played off the other characters well. Uh, the thing, the thing that made Portal Two probably my favorite game of the decade was because it was the first game that made me laugh out loud. Like straight up, it someone I heard in a review once that some uh, that it was they defined it as a, a genre comedy, the only real genre comedy that gaming has really ever had. And honestly, like looking at the past games in the decade and the games I've seen before growing up in the two thousand two thousands, even late nineties, uh, I was born in nineteen ninety five for the record, uh, young, young, uh, <laughs> but. It's the first like game I've played out of the many games I've played where I actually laughed at the jokes and laughed at the setup. Like I find I can still quote some of the lines from that from that game because I've played it so much and replayed it so much. Yeah. It is one of the best written games, one of the best directed games ever made. And I'm so angry I'm never gonna get a sequel. <laughs> You never know. Portal 3 VR could happen. Welcome to Motion uh, Sickness 101. You, you don't know. You could have... I'm actually curious to hear what are some of your best games that they gave. Um, I'll give it to Skyrim. It's the start of the decade. It does yeah. a lot for me. Uh, I think if you start throwing out numbers of people played average hour, average time, the average is 75 hours. Jesus. For, a, for a user, for a single-player game, it's it's staggering the amount of mods. What's the, tens of thousands of mods? Uh, yeah, millions, millions, set, tens of millions of people played it. Um, for something that was a single-player game, and what they did for modding, how they put it out there, uh, we can all hate on Bethesda now, but what something like Skyrim was earth-shattering in its day. Yeah. Mm, yeah, mm. I think up to a couple of years ago, it was still regularly in the top ten. You know, with all yeah, the- yeah. 
It's on Alexa now, for crying out loud. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they're not porting it to TI-83 calculators. Yeah, it's, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a flawed master, masterpiece, but uh, it, 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 it did have its mark. So uh, I, I guess... What, what masterpiece isn't flawed, really? <laughs> yeah, so... And no, I th- I'd say Skyrim is it's, it's I spent so much if I if I looked it up it'd be maybe in the thousands of hours played. Jesus. Yeah. And well in the creation kit as well. And yeah. I, I thought I was bad with Rocket League. Game. Yeah, and I have I haven't spent it in any anything else ever. Yeah. I would talk about what my favorite game of the decade is, but I'm not allowed to because Ed stops me from talking about it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So no, just no leave it there. No more Sea of Thieves talk. No more Sea of Thieves talk. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with Sea of Thieves. We talk about Sea of Thieves enough. <laughs> I actually haven't heard Sea of Thieves in the last like two episodes. Hey, hey, John. Yeah, yeah, it's talk- been banned. It's been banned. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Go ahead. About it until Mike Chapman or Joe come on and talk about the game with us on a podcast, and we'll have Ed sort of gaffer taped up in the background so he can't. I'll, skip, I'll be sure to skip that episode. I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> you shown the light. We're still gonna, me and Suki, yeah, we're gonna drag you in on a crew, get you to play. Um, no, that's wicked. So look, we we've just hit that two-hour mark. So um, massive thank you to to Thomas for giving up his time and and talking about the Falcon. Thanks, Thomas. We're we're looking forward to it, and I, and I hope certainly yeah, yeah. the audience of the of the podcast go and check it out. Um, and we'll we'll obviously cover it on the site when when it launches, and we'll keep everyone apprised. Um, I'll stick some links into the game's website and some of the trailers that have been released uh, in the YouTube description below. So make sure you go check them out. Um, Thomas, do you need to do a plug in terms of Twitter? Do you want to get get some? It's, uh, well, you can follow me if you. Uh, I I tweet like updates and gifs. I think nearly weekly at at Falconer Death. Uh, I think on Twitter that'd be the easiest way to. Uh, no priorities. I will I will stick that in the YouTube description as well. Um, yep. So on that note, um, I hope everyone had a, a wonderful Christmas or a happy Hanukkah or a happy holidays, whatever is the and correct have a happy new year, everyone. Yeah, and, and, a, happy and a happy new year. And we will see you guys in 2020 um, for yep. more podcast shenanigans. It's going to be one hell of a year. Um, and, and also, just on a final finishing note, um, we uh, started this in July. Um, we've seen some really great growth and we've obviously been very lucky to get some fantastic developers, present company included, um, along for the ride with us. So we're really grateful to everyone that kind of checks it out, listens, likes, subscribes, all of that usual stuff. So thank you to you for, for coming in and participating. And we'll see you next time. See you, everybody. Bye. Ciao for now.